Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Now, compassion is the thing that we're going to be talking about a little bit today. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about compassion, and it's like it's one of those things where either you see it really come out in our world today, or you see zero of it. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, things happen in the world, and, and there's needs out there. Our, especially, I think America is awesome in that we step up in compassion for people in need. But then there's other areas where it's like, we have zero compassion whatsoever, I feel like. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, so, I'm super glad that you guys aren't in my brain or in my head all week long, hearing the things that I say, the things that I do, the things that I think. Um, because you'd probably be like, that guy, no, he's, he shouldn't be our pastor. But I'm also thinking that you're pretty happy that I don't see all the stuff that you do or say, and that the person next to you doesn't. Some of you are sitting next to a spouse, and you're like, there's a ton of stuff I don't want that person to know still, too, because it goes on in my head, and it's crazy. We don't have a ton of compassion, and we know that. And so it's like we, we don't want everybody to, to know everything about us because we know that there's this limit. Um, and I actually was looking at a couple stories that I think showcases the, the limits that we're seeing in our culture today of what compassion looks like. There was a guy, um, I want to get his name right, it's Juan Canales, and this is back in 2007. This guy was working at a place called 84 Thai Food, and he broke up an attempted carjacking out in the parking lot. He was working at this place, breaks up an attempted carjacking. You know what happened to him? He got fired. He got fired because the, the boss didn't like all the attention that was coming into this, this business for an attempted carjacking. I don't know why he didn't like it. Like, everybody's going to think that you're going to get carjacked if you come here. I don't know. But th- this guy should have been thrown a party. Instead, he was fired. There was a time back in 2011 at a Walmart. There were four workers at this Walmart in Utah that uh, somebody came in with a gun and they literally disarmed this guy with a weapon. And what do you think happened to these four people? They also got fired. Because there's this thing in Walmart that says if somebody comes with a weapon, you need, you need to withdraw and back away. Well, they were, it was actually in this little tight room where they couldn't even get away, and they still got fired for it. Hopefully they got a job as like security guards or something like that. But I just, I, I, I look at that and I'm like, can't there be a little bit of understanding and compassion that comes forward in situations like that? You'd think that that might win out. Well, Now let's think back to the Civil War. Uh, Wars are not a time for compassion. It's it's literally two groups of people trying to kill each other. Uh, But back in the Civil War, um, let's say you you were with the North side. And uh, you hated everything that the South was about. uh, Couldn't stand anything about it. and, And the end of the war comes. You got this defeated group of people. What's going to happen to the defeated group of people? And there's a story that comes, comes from the Civil War time that I don't know how true this story is, but if it is true, it, it shows the compassion side of, of life. Um, shortly after General Lee had surrendered to the Civil War, in the Civil War, what happened is he, he, was, he was defeated, and the president, Lincoln, was at the White House, and he was given a speech from the balcony of the White House talking about like what he intended for the South now that the war was done. 
And there was a, there was a senator at the time, Senator Harlan. And he, he yelled out while the president was talking, what should we do with the rebels? And everybody there is like, we should hang them. Hang them. Kill them, hang them. And little Tad Lincoln, he was 11 years old at the time, he looks up and he goes, no, no, Papa, don't hang them, hang on to them. And this, this little guy, fifth or sixth grade, President Lincoln looks down at him and the story says that he just smiled at him. He's like, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to hang on to him. So I don't know if, if this little boy kind of gained the compassionate heart of his dad, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but that is, that's a sign of what compassion looks like right there. But we're so messed up a lot of the times that we actually think oftentimes that compassion is the wrong thing to do. We think of compassion sometimes as a weakness. When in reality, compassion is really the character of God coming out in us. It's the character of God. And so, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at in this, in this next uh, part of Mark. I think this is the third week that we're in Mark right now. Um, talking through this series, Epic. And we're going to look at the epic compassion of Jesus. And the epic compassion of Jesus, it comes out in two stories. And these, these stories don't seem like they have a ton of relation to each other. But they have a ton of relation to each other in the sense that it is about this compassion that we see in Jesus. And so I want to read this um, out of Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 42, and then into Mark chapter 2. It says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Then in Mark chapter 2, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have, we have never seen anything like this. This is, I think, a beautiful story, two stories of compassion that we see that Jesus has. These guys are, are afflicted. They have illness they have physical affliction and Jesus looks at him and he doesn't just be like hey your sins are forgiven he goes beyond it and he actually gives them healing in their body and you might look at this and be like well this just seems like grace this is grace like we always talk about at church it's Jesus being Jesus but I actually think it's really important for us to know that there is actually a difference between grace and compassion they're very similar to each other, but there's a little bit of difference between these, these two things. So I want to just kind of draw it out for you for a second here. Um, 
Let's say that you have a friend, and that friend is at work one day, and he breaks his arm. He's, I, I don't know, he's like working on an assembly line or something. And something happens, breaks his arm, he has to go to the hospital, and he calls you up. He's like, hey, can you come pick me up at the hospital? I had a surgery, I got a cast. And you're like, all right, I can do that for you. So you go pick him up, you take him home, and then you realize, dude's got a cast, he can't make lunch. So you go inside, you make him lunch, and he, he's able to eat food, and you feel good about yourself. Now that is called compassion. You've seen somebody in need. You've seen somebody that, that like, they've had a, a bad situation come about. And so there's concern in your heart that actually leads you to do something good for them. So that's compassion. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a second scenario out there. Let's say your friend was at the park. And he tried to steal a kid's kite. He's just, just being a jerk that day. He tries to steal a kid's kite. And then everybody around him tries to do like a citizen's arrest. And he, so he takes off and he falls on a rock and he breaks his arm. And now he's got to go to the hospital. And he's, so he still calls you up and he's like, hey, I, I need you to come pick me up. I, I had a surgery. Oh, yeah, what'd you do? Oh, I stole a kite from a kid. All right. So is there compassion there? You're probably not going to feel a whole big sense of compassion welling up in your heart for this guy. Like, oh, man, that's too bad. No, you're going to be like, good. You should have fallen, and I hope that the kid laughed in your face. Compassion isn't what we have there. What we have here is grace. You did something, your friend did something stupid, but you still go to the hospital to pick them up. You still go in, you make them lunch, not because of the concern or the or this heartfelt thing that's welled up within you, but it's the grace that's in your heart. Now, why do I even say this? Uh, the difference between grace and compassion. See, I think a lot of us, what happens is we get to following Jesus, and sometimes it's almost like we think that Jesus only has grace for us, but he doesn't really show us compassion. Like, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm a sinner and I mess up and I do all this stuff, but I, and I know that Jesus loves me and he forgives me of all that, but and I can buy that. But it's like I don't feel like he's got compassion for me in the areas where, like, I don't feel like I really am at fault. I'm in all these situations in life that just stink, and I can't seem to get, I don't know, I, just, I don't feel much compassion. Does God actually even care about these other areas? That doesn't require grace. And I think the stories here in Mark, they actually, they actually do a beautiful job of showcasing to us this deep compassion that Jesus has for every one of us. There's pieces to the compassion of Jesus that I think we can see in these stories. And the first one I want to pull out is this. I think Jesus has compassion for your painful impossibilities. He's got compassion for the areas of your life that just feel painful and feel awful and feel like you don't have any chance. Uh, both of these men had, had sicknesses or illnesses that in their day, it actually, they actually seemed like impossibilities. You got leprosy where there was actually no cure in, the, in that day for leprosy at all. And you got paralysis, which even with modern medicine today, that, that's a pretty tough one to, to see healing take place. Um, in some ways, leprosy, it might have actually even been a more disastrous illness back then than the paralysis was. Why would that be? Well, there's no cure for it. It's also a disease that it's, it's this slow-paced, painful death that takes place. You end up having to get thrown outside the city completely. 
You're living by yourself or else you're living with a bunch of other dudes that have leprosy as well. And you're completely ostracized from everybody around you. Now we know that antibiotics can actually help cure leprosy. It doesn't cure the effects of the leprosy, but, but this, is not a, this is not an illness anymore that, that doesn't have a cure. But Jesus proved in that day that he had the cure for it. That he was able to take this leprosy and, and completely cure it. And some people, when they look at miracles of Jesus like this, they almost look at Jesus like he's this sleight-of-hand magician. Like, you know what, Jesus knew everything. He probably knew that antibiotics could work for this dude, so he slipped it in his drink. No, that's stupid. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is clear. Jesus healed this guy. Completely of the... Now, we don't know if he necessarily healed him from the effects of the leprosy, but we know that he gave him a healing of this awful illness. Now, if you don't think that the healing of the leprosy is impressive, then Mark throws in this next story of the, of the guy with paralysis. Like I've alluded to, modern medicine, man, it, it doesn't always heal paralysis. There's sometimes nowadays where people can, can get therapy and they can, they can walk after they've been paralyzed, but a lot of times it's not the case. And Jesus takes this guy and he completely heals him. How in the world does that happen? But more importantly than the healing, leprosy and paralysis weren't areas of, of life that Jesus didn't care about. I want you to understand that. Jesus cared about these areas of these guys' lives. Would it matter to their spiritual well-being, them being able to get to heaven, whether or not Jesus was going to heal them from these things? Not really. These are points of compassion for Jesus. He, had, he saw these guys and, and he looked at them and he had pity, but it was this good kind of pity that actually act, caused Jesus to act in, in fairness and act in goodness towards these guys. But the spiritually correct thing for us to say sometimes when we've got these diseases in our lives, we say things like, man, this stinks, but God's got bigger things to worry about than what's going on with me right now. Can I just say that I don't know if there's many things that God, maybe it maybe breaks God's heart more than when he sees us acting like the things that we're going through doesn't really matter to him. The things that we're going through matters. That's, that's like asking your kid, I mean, how would you feel if your kid said, I've got serious anxiety issues, but mom and dad have bigger things to worry about. None of us as parents would, would feel good about our kids saying that about it. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter all the stresses that are going on, you see a child that's struggling with something, your compassion goes out for that kid. But sometimes we live our lives as though Jesus isn't giving me any compassion. The things that, that are really hurting me, I, I know I'm saved and all that stuff, but the things that are hurting me, like he does, he's not there for me. And I think that there could be nothing further from the truth. I think Jesus has a compassion for us that goes way beyond anything that we can understand. So think for a minute about these impossible, seemingly impossible situations in your life. You got sickness, you got financial drought, you got broken relationships, the aging process. Like, it's not fun, but everybody's going to go through it. Your addictions, your daily failings, all of these things, they seem impossible to us. Every single one of them, we can't really do a ton about. But I'm telling you, I believe that Jesus shows in the scripture that he is compassionate for us in all these areas. You might say, like, okay, God, 
Kellen, how is Jesus compassionate about the aging process for me? Here's the thing. I don't think that Jesus looks at you and, and sees your, your knees getting worse and you can barely walk around and be like, that's the way I wanted life to be for you. This wasn't the intention. Like, sin got, came into the world and I think that there is compassion that Jesus has on us in that. I think a great example of it is the story of three of his, his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. A bunch of siblings. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus comes to the two sisters and the sisters are just, they're, they're distraught. Jesus, why didn't you do anything for our brother? And we get like the awesomest verse in the entire Bible because it's one that every single one of you can memorize. Shortest verse ever. Jesus wept. Jesus looked around at what was going on in the world. He saw the heartbreak. He saw the brokenness. He saw the aging process. And his heart wept. There's compassion that Jesus has on us as he looks at us struggling through the life that we're struggling through. There is compassion. A world of brokenness was not the end goal. But it's what we have. And time and time again in scripture, we see a Jesus who is compassionate to this struggle. So I want to I also hit on the, the, the second part here, that Jesus has compassion for the physically afflicted. I think it's really important that we actually touch on this for a minute because... Uh, our physical afflictions can, can be such a burden to us. And they can actually take us to a place spiritually that, that can be kind of scary sometimes. Now Jesus has compassion on the phys physically afflicted in, this, in these stories. We see it in both of these stories. With the man with leprosy and the man who's paralyzed. But if you're here right now and you have a physical affliction, then you have not received a healing. Like, that's just the way it is. If you're here and something's wrong in your body, you haven't received a healing. And you read stories maybe like this and you're saying, okay, God, like, where is that for me? You hear other stories of, of things happening and healing taking place. Okay, God, where is my healing? And it goes that way with a lot of our thinking. Um, maybe a, a, struggling, a couple that's struggling to have kids of their own and they look around and it seems like everybody's having a baby. It's like, okay, God, where's my compassion? That can be tough for people to take. You can't figure out how you're going to pay for the $1,000 per gallon gasoline this week. And then everybody else is like going off on spring break somewhere. And you're like, okay, Jesus, where's the compassion for me? I don't want to walk everywhere. It's tough. Or you can't get your emotions in order, even for a day. And everybody else around you just seems to be so easy going. That is, right there, that's the lie right there. Nobody's easy going. Get inside everybody else's head and we're all kind of crazy. Sometimes it seems like everybody else gets the compassionate blessings from somewhere. And we're still looking for our somewhere. So what do these stories of compassionate healing have for you? Especially if you're still dealing with a physical ailment right now. What do these stories actually have to say to you? Like, okay God, I haven't gotten my healing but it happens in this passage. Jesus does care about the physical things that you're going through. But I want you to hear this. The physical thing is never going to be his highest priority. I hate to tell you that. And I know it sounds like a bummer. But the physical is never going to be his highest priority. Sometimes uh, when I go out for a run, I have this issue where I, 
I tweak my calf muscle. It's like a, a nerve issue or something like that. And I'll be running, and I'll be running for a really long time and be like, man, life is all good. And all of a sudden I take one step and I'm like, oh, what just happened? It's like a raccoon bit me. I don't, I don't know if they do that when people go for runs. But, and then it's like for days I'm walking around with a limp and inside of my head I'm like, oh, this is so dumb. I'm getting old. I can't even walk normal. And I try to walk normal and it's just because I don't want people to think I'm a wimp. And it's just no fun. And what happens is when I have little nagging injuries like that, it takes up my brain. Like it's just there all the time. And that's a little tiny little tweak in a calf muscle. There are people in our church, there are people in our community who are struggling through cancer, who are struggling through heart ailments, who every day are having to, to, to go through the struggle of diabetes. Those are afflictions. And those afflictions can really, really be hard on our spiritual walk. But these stories that we read today, they actually show us that, yes, Jesus has compassion on the physically afflicted. But they also show us that those physical ailments are not the highest priority that Jesus has for us. Here's the third thing I want you to understand about compassion to Jesus. Jesus has compassion for the spiritually sick. That is where his number one compassion is. Now I want you to understand that this is different than, than the grace that we were talking about. Again, grace is that thing like you messed up and I can look at you and still be like, okay, I'm still going to love you. That's grace. I actually think that Jesus also has compassion for the sp spiritually sick. He looks at us and he knows that like we have no other option. We are messed up people and we're going to mess up and we're going to keep messing up. And he looks at us with compassion. Now I want you to understand how different that is. That is this thing of love that he sees in us. This thing of beautiful pity, I want to call it. Sometimes we think of pity as this bad thing. Man, I think the pity of Jesus looking at me with pity, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. That he can love me in spite of all this stuff that he sees because he sees that it's just a part of the ailment that I have living in this life. The man with leprosy. You realize Jesus touched him when he asked for a healing? Why in the world did he touch him? He didn't need to touch him for a physical healing. Jesus didn't even need to be there for the physical healing to happen. He could have just been like, boom, there you go. But he touched him. Why did he touch him? He did it to show those people around him that this man was now clean. It says in verses 40 and 41, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant and he reached out his hand and he touched him. Now this word indignant that is, is used in the NIV translation, that word gets me thinking a little bit. Because that word is, is translated different ways in different versions. Uh, the NLT translates it that Jesus had compassion on the guy. A couple other versions say that Jesus felt sorry for him or Jesus was deeply moved for that guy. But the word indignant takes it from being like this compassion that Jesus has almost more to like, Jesus is angry. Like, what's going on, Jesus? Now, there is a Greek word that was used here in this situation. Is it up on the screen? Put it up on the screen if you got it. Because um, I don't even want to try to pronounce the word. It starts with an S and that, there it is. It's That's the best I got for you. But it means to be moved as to one's bowels. To be moved with compassion. And now, when they would talk about the bowels like that, that was like the, the, the sitting place of people's pity 
the place where they would feel the depth of compassion for someone. And so what Jesus is, is doing here is he's got this compassion at like deep in his gut for this leprous man. Indignant, I don't know if it's the right word. Jesus has this compassion deep in his gut for this guy who has leprosy. You see, lepers lived a lonely life. And I guarantee that some of that loneliness would start to seep into their spiritual life. Can you imagine never being allowed to be in the congregation of other people who believe in God? You have to sit outside because you have leprosy. I think that would take a toll on somebody. And the truth is, is we've seen this kind of thing happen in, in the last few years with the pandemic. There are people who have had to die alone in a room because they were, they were they had COVID-19 going through their body and, and we couldn't put anybody around them and so they died alone. And now, now when you and I hear that, there's compassion that wells up in us. We don't even have to know who the person is and there's compassion there. That's the kind of compassion that Jesus has for this man with leprosy. But it's it's not just for his leprosy. It's for his spiritual life. He showed him an even greater compassion by touching his body. Showing him that I'm here with you. I connect with you. I'm emotionally connecting with you. I'm spiritually connecting with you. This is a guy who would have had to have walked around saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, so that nobody would touch him. And Jesus just stands here and he touches him. Telling you, what Jesus did in this story was... It wasn't just about a physical healing. The compassion he shows for this man's spiritual walk is immense. And then you look at the guy with the paralyzed, uh, paralyzed body. The man was let down through the roof. And Jesus, he didn't even address this physical issue in his life first and foremost. It's not what he talked about. I'm going to read it again. Mark 2, verses 4 and 5. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now don't even try to tell me that you wouldn't have raised your eyes a little bit when Jesus said that to this man. Like, Jesus, like he came through the roof because he can't walk and now you're just saying, your sins are forgiven? Every single one of us would have raised our eyes a little bit. Like, Jesus, that's not what he's asking for. That's like a kid coming to you and saying, like, hey, can I have lunch? And you just say, hey, yeah, you don't have to do your homework today. Like, it's not the same thing. It was not what Jesus was being asked of. And so why does he go to talking about his sins instead of giving him a healing? Once again, this man was not unlike the man with leprosy. All these people thought that his problem was most of all with his physical body. It wasn't with his physical body. Jesus, in both of these stories, before he ever really ministered to the physical ailment, he worried about the spiritual ailment. And we might have things in our lives right now that we're like, God, this is the thing, this is the issue in my life that's so bad. And Jesus is like, no, that's not it. I want to help you in a different way. Jesus, this relationship is the thing that, no, 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 your relationship with me first. You get your relationship with me right, and then all those other relationships will start to look the way that they're supposed to. We get, it, we get it messed around so many times. Jesus wants that spiritual walk with him to be right, and everything else will start to take shape. <clears throat> See, when it, what happens when I'm not seeing the compassion of Jesus in the other areas of my life, what happens is... Uh, 
I start to lose compassion for others. And I need to see the cross. I need to see the compassion of the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, that, that it doesn't matter what, what's going on in my, in my work life, in my body, all this stuff, that Jesus had compassion on me spiritually to make me right with him. That's all I need so that I can have the kind of compassion for people around me that I need to have. Because we can be a fickle bunch of people. Uh, if your propensity is to complain more about politics than to rejoice over what Jesus has done for you in saving you, then you probably need to be reminded a little bit more of what the compassion of Jesus looks like. If your propensity is to complain more about how the gas, the gas bill looks like your kid's college bill right now, then you probably need to understand and be reminded of the compassion of Jesus a little bit more. We need to be reminded of that compassion instead of complaining. If your propensity is to complain about the people in your life more than rejoice over what Jesus has done in you, you've got to be reminded of the compassion of Jesus. And so here's what I find up being true a lot of the time in my life. My own compassion for others can be revived simply by remembering the compassion of Jesus on the cross for me. When I go back to that place and remember the kind of compassion he has, it's just easy to give it to other people. So I want to I kind of close today real quick here with three things that we need to remember when it comes to this compassion. Uh, Worship team, you guys can come back up here. I'm going to be done in just a minute, but... I want to I leave you walking away with these three things to remember. First thing is this. Remember that God's deepest reaction to your hurts and your failings is not wrath, but instead it's compassion. It is natural for us to sometimes go to that place where we think that God's reaction to us is frustration and anger. It's not the case. You may really believe that Jesus doesn't want to give you anything good. And I'm telling you, that is a lie. There can never be so much that God is concerned with that he is not concerned with the things that you need compassion for. So, trust him. Trust that he cares. The second thing is this. Remember that Jesus is not primarily a miracle worker. He's actually always your savior first. I think that's super important for us to get that. He wants to make you spiritually healthy before he wants to do anything else in your life. All of the other stuff, it is secondary to Jesus making you right spiritually. And all too often, we, we get too worried about the physical to not get our place thinking about the spiritual. We spend all our time trying to make ourselves healthy and wealthy. And Jesus is like, I just, I just want this for you. I want this more than anything. I want, I want you. Are you growing closer to Jesus, the Jesus who loves you enough to have saved you out of your darkness? Or are you struggling with him because he hasn't been everything to you that you expected him to be? And see, just like a, a marriage can't be good with an unhealthy expectation on your spouse, your relationship with Jesus can't be good with an unhealthy expectation of what Jesus should be doing in your life. He's first and foremost your savior. And then this is the third thing I want you to remember. Remember to check your heart in regard to how you think about others who are in need of kindness, who are in need of compassion. How do you think about other people who have failed you? How do you think about those people who are frustrating? Are you being compassionate to those people who have done nothing to deserve where they're at and they just need somebody to, to love them and show them some compassion? 
Is compassion a part of the character of your heart or has it fizzled away? Because I'm going to say this, if we are not people of compassion, then something has happened in our relationship with Jesus because Jesus' character is compassion. If you're struggling to show compassion for people, to, to have that thing well up inside of you, you need to be reminded of the compassion that Jesus has for you because we are called to be people of compassion. Every time you see somebody that is hurting, that is in need, something should well up in us. And if it's not, we should pray that God would change that in us. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.